Today's scripture comes from Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 to 16, and it's on page 683 of the Bibles underneath your chairs. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it in on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. We're starting a new series today. Um, if you are new here... Um, we are a new church, and uh, this is a, a new chapter for us. And I know we're having service and we're doing church, but um, actually we're still in pre-launch stage. And these teachings uh, are, in a sense, us getting ready um, to what does it mean to be a new church and what kind of a new church will we be for this wild and strange and amazing place that we call um, Silicon Valley. And so uh, that's what this series is actually going to be about, this series that... I've entitled Beacon of Life, is really what does it mean to be a gospel community that shares uh, life, to shine as a light of eternal life, to be salty, as what we're going to talk about today, for our neighbors? Um, because that's, that's a, maybe there's a question mark that some people have in mind. Why does a community need another church? Um, why, why does a you know, some people go, why, does it, why, does, why do people even need a church at all? That's, that's not an uncommon thought maybe in our city. And even if you consider yourself a believer in Jesus Christ, you might think, well, I see that there's a number of churches in this area. Why, why do we need a, yet another one? And um, that's what we'd like to talk about throughout the course of this series. And if you, are, um, you consider yourself a member of Revive, you believe in what we are doing here. We be you believe that in this mission, in this vision to proclaim new life in Christ to what we call the nations of Silicon Valley, if you believe in that, I mean, we are in a, we're, we're, we're doing something new. And this is a new chapter of your life, of my life, of our um, doing life in Christ together. And it has huge and large ramifications, not just for the people in this room that gather together to say we're members of this church family called Revive, but it has ramifications and power for the people around us. Because that's actually what churches is, is, does not just gather simply for the sake of those people who are in, um, in the room. Um, there's a pastor, uh, he's actually a missionary to, um, uh, to England, and he actually, it's strange because he went all the way to England and to serve um, South Asians. So he, he, he's a missionary to Indians in London, okay? <laughs> and um, he once said of, um, he's not famous, so, and I can't remember his last name, so it seems lame to, uh, to quote him. But it's a, it's, it's a, it's a, it is a, um, a sentence that's really stuck with me and so relevant to this particular series, which is, the church is the only organization that is built for its non-members. You ever think about that? the only organization that's established for its non-members. And that's very, it flows right out of what Jesus taught here in this particular passage. 
And so let's get into it today. Um, I'm a, I'm a three-point preacher, so um, you know, if you're a regular, you know that I do this. So part one, um, darkness. What's darkness? I know we live in um, an attractive city. It's a beautiful place with darn near, per- the, the weather isn't so perfect today, which is why I'm dressed for winter, <laughs> all right? But um, mostly we get perfect weather out here, and it doesn't look like it but there's a lot of darkness, all right? So that's part one, but darkness. Part two, salt for life. What is the purpose of this passage here when Jesus talks about salt? It's actually, it's a reference to life, and I'm going to get into that, salt for life. And part three, I'm going to close by saying planting salty communities, um, shining life. Planting salty communities, shining life. So um, let's, let me start by getting to this passage, part one, on darkness. Now, this thing that Jesus says, you are the light of the world, you are the salt of the earth, it's a really, really famous phrase, but it follows right after um, an almost equally famous portion called the Beatitudes, and I'm not going to go over the whole one, but he, he goes over a blessed are you if you're this way, blessed are you, and it's strange because the pattern is something like this, blessed are you, and then he's kind of list something that generally in our world we do not consider attractive. So the first one is, blessed are you, blessed are the poor in spirit. That doesn't, that doesn't sound like something anyone wants to be. So, or some people say, happy are you, happy are you, the poor in spirit. And we're like, what? That, that, that makes no sense. It's like saying, happy are you if you are feeling low inside. That's kind of like what he's saying. And he goes through a series of these things. And really what he's saying is he's addressing the people who belong to his kingdom, to the kingdom of God. And then after this is over, then he says this thing. Then he says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. So then go and shine out into the world so people can see your good works and then give glory to God. I want to start with this. The Bible is, um, is a kind of book that says things that the normal ways that we perceive life, it completely flips you upside down. Now, I said this a few, year, um, a few weeks ago, and I want to say this in a little bit different way, but I want, it's a similar point. If you're the kind of person that immediately trusts your own perception, your own feelings, and you think the way you feel and perceive the world is certainly right, let me tell you, you're wrong. <laughs> the way you, what you consider normal and how you perceive the world could be completely upside down and backwards, and it's, and it's partially seen in the way these, Jesus used these words here. So he says, you are the light of the world. You know what he's saying? The world is dark. That's what he's saying. That there are people who belong to God, who are a part of his kingdom, and they are their light in a really, really dark place. That's what they're saying. So what is the normal perception of life and of the world and of all our values, what we consider good, well, Jesus says, that's dark. That's not good. So at the beginning of, of this a portion in the Beatitudes, so here we go, it's, it's, it's verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. It's, it's completely strange. So blessed are you if you feel depressed and really low. There's a poverty in your inner spirit. That's good. <laughs> that's what he says. That's good. You, and then what, what do those people get? You get the kingdom of God. You get the kingdom of God. Now, why am I starting there? Because 
one of the first prerequisites of doing church is to understand that the world is really dark. And actually, there's a lot of darkness inside, and it's in, it stems from the way we feel and perceive and everything about the way we think life ought to be. And for one of the things, the way Jesus immediately dumps that thing on its head is by saying, if you feel really low and you have poverty in your inner spirit, actually, you know what, we can, what you can receive? You can receive God's kingdom. You're actually blessed. That makes no sense. It's completely crazy. It makes no sense if you only think according to the dark visions and of the, the normal values of the world. So um, I don't know if there's a, a, any place, well, should I say there's probably multiple places, but maybe this is one of the really good places to point this out. This is, um, th- I've said this in, in numerous ways before. This place, Silicon Valley, if you have a lot of money and you're good looking and you have a really good degree and you're really smart and you have a whatever, a $5 million house or a $3 million house and you're comfortable out here, you pretty much hit the lottery ticket of history. This is one of the most comfortable, beautiful cities in the whole world. Uh, it is one of the richest, most coolest places in the whole world. Even the rest of the world thinks this is one of the coolest places in the world. Some of the smartest, most ambitious and talented people, they all flock here. And then when you meet and when you're going to hang out with people, you're going to bump into, you don't even know this, but the, the guy who, who it doesn't look like he's dressed like much, he could be a billionaire standing there next to you um, at the supermarket. Really, that is not a weird thing here. All that is, is potentially very real, right? But is all that is what makes life good? <laughs> is all that what makes life good? Because all these external things, great weather, lots of money, having a lot of comfort and just chopping it up, doing really, really well in your career, these are all, they're not like, of course, these are not bad things. But there's this, um, there's this insidious kind of like assumption. It's a kind of belief, a lie that's happening in our society that if all these things are not going well for you, that somehow maybe something inside of you is not that good. Anybody of you ever have that feeling? Then why isn't it going well for me? And by the way, the vast majority of people in our area, in one way or another, you probably feel it's not quite going so well for me. And by the way, you should, instead of looking at other people and envying them, coveting what they got, you should just think, hey, I'm normal. (laughs) You know what you're feeling there? You're feeling a portion of the inward poverty of your spirit. That's what you're feeling. (laughs) Now, maybe a different thought has occurred to you. If you walk through life and um, you never think, well, church, that doesn't, you know, a lot of people today think church is largely irrelevant. So there's there's a lot of assumptions, things like, well, if you are healthy and you meet somebody that you can love and you have enough money and the things you want to do that make you happy are doing well, then why do you need church? Why do you need God? Isn't that largely irrelevant? Isn't that like a crutch for people who are weak? Isn't that for just those religious, you know, if you're strangely one of those religious people, then you'll go to church. But if all the other things, you know, I think most of my life is going well. Therefore, I don't think I need these kinds of things, right? Well, Jesus would say, well, you're not one of the people who are blessed, (laughs) The world is fallen and it is broken. 
fallenness is not just in disease, in poverty, broken relationships, anger, hurt. It's, those are, of course, all parts of the fallen world. But you also know that fallenness also is in, well, it, it, it also ends up in things like this. I have all the money I could need. I'm very, very healthy. I'm very, very good looking. I, I found the love of my life and I don't need anything else. There's a darkness there too. <laughs> because if this is all life is, if this is all life is, let me just point out some of the darkness. Life is just you living 80 to 90 years and hopefully it'll work out for you. If you're very, very lucky, you won't get cancer. You won't get canned in your job. Your spouse or your lover will not leave you. None of your children will get sick and die or hate you. And, um, and hopefully for 80, 90 years, you will have a good life. And then you die and then, then that's it. <laughs> that's it. That's all life is. And if that is the case... That's darkness. <laughs> Inside the inner human spirit, is this something else going on? There's, there should be something going on like, hmm, I got all the good things, but something's missing. <laughs> Something is missing. How come I'm not happy? How come I'm not satisfied? How come I'm still hungering? Something is still really missing. Something is missing. Do you have that? That's what I want to start this way. If you have that feeling, if you have this gnawing ache, let me tell you something. You're human. And if you can admit that, then now you can say you're poor in spirit. And maybe you can look toward what Jesus is offering. Hey, for you, maybe you can get the kingdom of heaven. You know, church is the place. It's, the, it's, it's not even a, a place and it's not even a building, and it's not even a religious institution. Those are all pieces of darkness, too. A lot of people think, oh, church, that's the building down the street. Church, that's where they do religious. That's organized. If, let, me, let me tell you, it's not very organized, okay? It's organized or disorganized or institutional religion. That's, all those things are not church. You know what church is? It's people. It's people. It could be a small group of people. It could be a large group of people. They may be relatively disorganized. But if they come together and they have poverty of spirit and they know anything that this world can offer me, you know what? It's not enough. It's not enough. I'm not an 80, 90-year-old living person. I'm an eternal being. There's something inside of me that says, I don't just want love. I want forever love. I don't want justice. I want justice that will crush and get rid of all evil forever and ever. I want, I want a community and a people to walk with and love and be loved by, not just for 10 years or 20 years, or it's going to be useful for to me while I live in this neighborhood. I want to be with them forever. Is that some of your desires? If you really think deep in your heart, I bet you it's there. It's even in our songs. You listen to the radio, it has nothing to do with Jesus, but the, all the songs are, baby, baby, I will love you forever. <laughs> it's there. Why? Because we're human, and human means you're an eternal being. Now, there's a sister in our church. Uh, I, I thought I'd tell, you, tell your story. She, you know, it's not, she, she, showed, she shared this story in a testimony. This is actually Esther, um, our, our children's pastor, Joe, his wife. 
And I don't know if you know this about her, um, but she didn't become a Christian until she was a young adult. So she grew up in a devout Christian family, and she went to church her, you know, her, all her, her, her young life. <laughs> but she didn't come to faith in Jesus. Then she went to an Ivy League college. She's very, very bright, did very, very well there, came out, really good success in her career because she's hardworking, disciplined, very bright, because you all know her, Esther's great, okay? And then so she, get, she got all the things that her goals that her, her goal set out to get. And then in her mid-20s, she just sat, took stock and said, why am I so unhappy? Why am I so unhappy? I have everything. Everything that I wanted and set out to get, I got. But, and it was there. It was, it was like the answer was right in front of her face all the time. For the, so then the first time she went, she had stopped going to church. You know, when she went off to college and then, um, and then went into her career after college. But then she went back to church. But this time she went back to church with poverty of spirit. <laughs> she went back poor. She recognized, you know, everything may look good, but there's a darkness. <laughs> there's a darkness. And maybe that place called church, these people called church, maybe they can shine some new light into it. And she went back to church and she found out what was missing. God is missing. <laughs> God was missing. So first and foremost, you know, people can get together and it doesn't look like they need much. But the number one thing that everybody really, really needs, you need God. Okay, that sounds a little too, too easy. You need a love that never stops. <laughs> you need a hope that will be offered to you when everything is caving down and is breaking. You need a friend and a family that will be there for you when you're really, really lonely. You need a forgiveness. You need a washing when you're really, really dirty. You need a forgiveness that's really, really final. You know where these things come from? It's all the beacon is the church. Not the institution, the people. And for this, I'll, I'll, let me just say this is a little strange to I always think if there's uh, 10 churches in a neighborhood, let's start an 11th. <laughs> if there's 11 churches in a neighborhood, let's start a 12th. So some people think, we don't need another church in this neighborhood. I don't think that's true. Does everybody in the neighborhood reach for Jesus? Is light shining and breaking into the darkness of everybody in that neighborhood? Of course not. Because a new church will start, and guess what? The new church can't reach the people that are you reach. You know who the new church will reach? The people that aren't reached. You can shine in their darkness. Now, in our city, of course, there needs to be a thousand more churches, okay? So I don't think we need to say that. But let's start here. There's a lot of darkness. Let's go to part two. Jesus says, um, he actually starts off this portion this way. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. So what is he talking about? Um, I want to just stop for a moment here. We don't understand quite what he's saying because um, none of us uses salt the way they did back then. Now, of course, they use salt for flavoring like we do. Um, 
you know, the, we're modern day American salt is literally in everything. We have more than one name for salt, you know, MSG is salt, okay? And so we have all kinds of different kinds of salt. Um, some of you, you know, you, choo you choose not to put salt. You, you like what I like. I, I go, who needs salt? We have soy sauce, which is salt, right? And so we, we put that stuff into our food and it makes it taste wonderful. They use it for that too, but that's not what he's talking about here. This is the ancient world. You know, the number one need for salt was, it's as a preservative. <laughs> there is no refrigerator. There is no freezer. So you catch a fish and you want to eat it. We like, if you want to eat it two days from now, <laughs> you better have salt. If you want to eat it five days from now, you, ought, you better have salt. If you want to pack meat away in the winter, you got to have salt. You know what that means? Without salt, you are the salt of the earth. If salt has lost its saltiness, you know what he's saying? Then people die. That's what he's saying. <laughs> Things rot. People die. Um, do you ever think that? <laughs> that, uh, that people in our neighborhood, if there isn't this body of people called the church in this neighborhood, People will, around here will literally rot and die. Do you ever think that? That's what Jesus is saying. There will be death in this neighborhood. There will be starvation in this neighborhood. It isn't obviously a starvation of food. It's a starvation of hope. It is a starvation of justice. It is a starvation of loneliness. Those are the kinds of starvation that will happen in this neighborhood. And so... If you are the people of God and gather together, if you won't be a people that offers hope, love, forgiveness, mercy, gladness, purpose, joy, if you won't offer these things, people die. That's what he's saying. You will die. And then he, and he presses the point even stronger. What happens when there's salt and it's not that salty? Well, we don't really... We don't do what we do, so we just throw it away and then we walk on it. It's, it's really pretty. Kind of, I think what he's talking about is, um, I know what he's talking about. In the East Coast, um, if you're a West Coaster, you, you, you won't understand what he's saying here. If you live on the East Coast, there's another usage for salt, which is in the winter, you throw it out and then it helps the snow melt. And you know what? Then people can walk on the ground. <laughs> That's what he's saying. They, so apparently, they, this, is, this is all there is. It's like saying, if you lose your saltiness, then this is a pretty tough thing. I mean, everybody thinks that Jesus is really uh, loving and kind, but he's saying, if you are supposed to be my people, but you're not very salty, then you might as well just get walked on by others. <laughs> That's about what you're worth. That's a tough thing to say. <laughs> That's what he's saying. Now, let's wrestle with this a bit. Um, what does it mean to be salty? This just mean being good people. Um, churches can be filled with Christians. They can even have good doctrine, by the way. And um, where the guy out front comes from a good seminary and he teaches good, sound doctrine, but the people stop being salty. And I think the, these are some of the things that um, I could... I, I think about all the different ways you can have church, but they're not shining very well. They're not very, very salty. And I, I would like to make this critique of, um, of American church. 
Um, here, I very much agree with secular unbelievers. If you're one of the people who has this complaint about the church, the pastor agrees with you. One of the reasons why so many people think that God doesn't matter and God is, is irrelevant is because salvation comes by faith. <laughs> salvation comes, it's not something you can see, but faith comes first by people checking out what they can see. <laughs> you know what they check out? They check out Christians. That's what they check out. <laughs> because if the people say that they believe in this God named Jesus and Jesus impacts their life, and then they said, so that's what it looks like to get saved, huh? Well, you're kind of just an obnoxious jerk. <laughs> you're not very kind and merciful. I don't see much joy in your life. You just seem to just chase after money the way I chase after money. <laughs> you don't have much power in your marriage, and I don't see much reconciliation in your life of all the broken relationships you have, so I don't see why Jesus is relevant. That's one way that's one way that um, people have said church isn't very, very salty. People aren't salty. But let me, um, let me press it a little bit differently. I actually teach this, just taught this recently. Um, we teach this in our, our, our membership class, right? And I, I'm just going to list some lines straight out of our, our membership class, right? Um, here are some of the things that I said. Some people attend church to learn morality, to grow in values, Practice religion and be a good person. Is that what church is for? Is that what, is that what church is for? If that's what church is for, you, you could go be a Mormon. You could go be a Jewish. You can go to the Hindu temple. You could watch Dr. Phil, <laughs> right? Dr. Phil will tell you how to be a good person. He, he gives you good tips on how to be a good person. So I don't even think Dr. Phil is bad. You could watch Oprah. Well, Oprah's not on anymore. Sorry, it's outdated. Is, is Dr. Phil on? Does anybody know? Okay, sorry. <laughs> if you have no idea who I'm talking about because they're not on, on TV, so, sorry, I'm using dated references. But you can watch just whoever. You can pick up any of the latest people who will teach you how to be a better person. And if this is all church is for, that's a way it's losing its saltiness. <laughs> how about a second one? Some people come to church to be consumers of religious goods. So here's some of the religious goods. Make and enjoy friends. Seek a spouse. Some, some people look for a spouse. I don't, do, do people still do that in our city? I, you should. That's, it's actually not a bad idea. Look for a spouse at church, okay? That's, that's how I found mine, all right? I wasn't going to church for that, but that's how I found my spouse, okay? <laughs> all right, so um, uh, other religious goods. Uh, make connections. Learn some practical wisdom. And here's the one, get some good moral influences for the children. Because, you know, the kids need a little religion, right? So, like, I don't need the religion, but it'll be good for my kids. Um, look, all those are good and sensible reasons that you might come to church. But if everybody goes to church, that is not going to shine light in the darkness. That's not going to be salty. That's not going to offer life. Again, you can get all these things somewhere else. Make and enjoy friends. Go to the local bar. <laughs> okay? You know, you like, you know if, if, if you like sewing, join a sewing club, right? If you, you know, if you like mountain biking, join the mountain biking club. You will make friends. You know, go, go on, um, you need to find a spouse. Go on a dating app. I, I, I don't know if that works, but I hear it, it can work, okay? Um, 
There's lots of ways to do all these other things. And church is not a, you can get these things, but that's not why we do church. A third one. This, one's a, this one cuts a little closer. Some come for forgiveness and comfort, but mostly want to be in control for their own personal priorities with little in the way of repentance and obedience. In other words, you do want God, but you just want a little bit of God. <laughs> I want the forgiveness part of God. But I don't want all that God wants for me. And I don't want all that stuff because some of that stuff is hard. I would actually have to repent of some of my sin. I'd actually have to obey. I'd actually have to sacrifice some things in my life. I'm not sure I want that. And so some people come to dabble in God. Well, if we just dabble in God and then when we leave on Sunday, how will you be very salty? <laughs> Let me offer you um, what saltiness can look like. You come, and you're a human being. Some things are good about you. Some things are not good about you. Guess what? That's everybody. Some things are not good about you. The things that's not good about you, it's really, really not good about you. The poverty in your spirit, it's real. You come here, and you say, Lord, will you have something that can fill that poverty that I can't, because I can't fill it. Will you have something that can heal that hurt, that failing, that darkness. You know what we call that? We call it the gospel. <laughs> we call it the gospel. It's a good news. It's very, very good. And at church, you know, if you, we come together and we often think that the people out there won't be interested in any of the stuff that we got on here. Now, that's kind of true, okay? Because people, they are naturally geared toward the darkness. But out, out in the world, everybody that's just a normal human being, some of them saying, I like my darkness, I like just living life, and don't bother me with the God stuff and the eternal stuff. I don't know, I'm too busy. I'm too busy to think about things that are eternal. <laughs> I know there must be such a thing, but I'm too busy about that, right? But... Some of the people, maybe they are depressed because their parents got divorced. And you don't know it, but oh, around this time of the year is the time of the year 20 years ago when their dad left. Because the divorce happened in May after Mother's Day and before Father's Day. So between Mother's Day and Father's Day, there's Mother's Day, biggest wound of their heart. End of May, they're really, really sad and miserable. And then Father's Day, the day when they only have anger. You ever think there's somebody, you think, am I, am I making that up? Your coworker, your friend, who seemingly has no interest in God, Jesus, Bible, church. Well, between Mother's Day and Father's Day is a profound wound. And as we talked about in a previous series, some of you, you have some knowledge of a wound like that. Some of you know what it's like to hate your dad or to hate your mom or to remember that day when your dad told you he's not going to be living with you anymore. <laughs> you can remember that day. And it was right around this time of the year, every year. 
And then you could say, I know what that's like. I know that darkness. But there is a, a salt that heals that wound. And there is a light that could shine into that darkness that could heal that balm and help you forgive. And you'd be forgiven. That's salty. <laughs> That's salty. That's what church is for. We live in a... Um, I, I, I'm writing material up <laughs> to share about our church. You know, this county, Sil Silicon Valley is Santa Clara County, okay? It's about 2 million people. It's um, one of the most unchurched places in all of America. And there are people, many people here, uh, hundreds of thousands of people who live here who've literally never stepped foot inside of a church. Like literally never step foot in front of a building and they don't know anything about Jesus because they grew up in India and they were Hindu or at least culturally they were Hindu. Or, you know, they grew up in, in, um, in, in, in Hong Kong and they thought they were Buddhist, but they're not sure if they're that anymore either. They literally know nothing about these things. And of course, there's people who moved here from, you know, maybe the Midwest and as um, soon as mom and dad said, you don't have to go anymore, at the age of about 15 or so, they left church, and that's it. <laughs> that's it. But they could use somebody who says, we have hope that won't die when bad things hit your life. <laughs> we have, I know something of what it's like to hate your dad and to be really, really miserable at certain times of the year. I know what that's like. And I'm not going to give you any cheap answers, like boom, just like that. But I met God. I know it sounds crazy, but I met God. And um, it's a church. Our church is a place where you can be like that. And um, nobody will look down on you. And instead, we will, maybe the thing you don't even want to hear, but there is a forgiveness. There is a healing. And that's what Jesus is about. That's what the cross is about. That's what the gospel is. That's salty. Why do we need a new church in our city? Because we need a lot more salt. A lot more salt. We need some very, very salty people. And salty people is not being goody two-shoes. It's not being religious. It's this. It's walking in the poverty of spirit, but then receiving the riches of his grace. Because he has died the death we deserve to die, and he's giving us a new life we could never earn. And that new life isn't just tomorrow. It starts now, and we begin to walk in together. Church is people walking in that new life, letting his riches fill up our poverty so we can live in that now. That's a light that will shine to the darkness. That's a salt that our neighbors need. And it's not a theory. It's not a theory. If we will be this salty community, people will say, hey, you have this ministry that somehow talks about this. You have a word that talks about forgiveness and reconciliation inside your family. And literally, there's less suicides in this, in, in this neighborhood. Literally, 
some people are now actually going to therapy and now then they are actually having new renewal because of Jesus? Yes, because of Jesus. Because of Jesus. Huh. So, brothers and sisters, we need some salty communities. And let our people, let our neighbors, it isn't that we have to like convince them or like, you know, like push them or prod them or like, you know, wag our fingers at them or judge them into like believing in Jesus. That's never going to work. Of course, that's not going to work. Huh? That's not going to work. But you know what will work? If we'll have honest brokenness in our poverty, but we'll have joy and hope in Christ and we'll offer that and then we'll serve our neighbors and then they will say this thing that Jesus says, hmm, you guys actually do have some strange good deeds. <laughs> and is it maybe because of your God? That's salty. Let's pray. Father, may we not be religious consumers. Not, may we not come here to be better moralists and legalists. May we not have um, shame and pride, both shame and pride, which covers up that inside there is a poverty and we don't want to admit it. There's a weakness and there's a hurt and we don't want to admit it. We don't want to admit that... Um, that we actually long for more than just having a lot of money and having a comfortable life for 80 years. We want an incredible, glory-filled life forever. That's what we want. And what's absolutely incredible is you offer it. We could never earn it. We could never deserve it. But through the gift, the sacrifice, the redemptive accomplishment of your son, Jesus, you give it to us. May we receive it. May we live in it. May we gladly, in humility, in faith, that in our deep brokenness of poverty in our spirit, through Jesus, you fill us. You love us. You give us life. Make us a beacon of life. Make us salty. Help us see our neighbors. And may we push back death and rot, rotting and depression, and addiction, and anger, and sadness, and loneliness, and pride, and darkness. Through Jesus, we love you, we honor you. Receive the praise, be magnified, be glorified. In Jesus' name, amen.